inside. Kempe dishes in front. Another sliding cat saved by Flurry. This time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity. Lizana sliding cat save. Robin Leonard. What a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Game day, BGK Insider Show. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace uh, getting set for the television broadcast uh, on my side. Ryan Wallace will have your VGK pregame show coming up on the Fox Sports uh, Radio Network, the VGK Radio Network at uh, 6 o'clock as the Golden Knights take on the Anaheim Ducks. Significance of this one tonight, one, fans will be in attendance at uh, Honda Center this evening for the first time all season, so there'll be a bit more of a buzz inside the rink. And the other part of it is the Golden Knights trying to become the second team in the National Hockey League this season to win a 30th game, and that would equal that of the Colorado Avalanche. And the Avalanche in case you missed it, uh, just to recap, have had three players put into the COVID protocol, uh, including Philip Grubauer, who was uh, announced that he would be out uh, on Wednesday uh, for up to two weeks. And as a result of a third player being put into COVID protocol, the Avalanche have been shut down. They will not do anything around team facilities for the next few days. Uh, won't play any sooner than next Thursday. So uh, the Golden Knights will go from one game in hand to playing more games than the Colorado Avalanche as they open up a two-game set against the Anaheim Ducks and then host the San Jose Sharks on Monday and Wednesday. That San Jose game on Monday will be historic because we're expecting Patrick Marlowe to uh, break Gordie Howe's record for most games played in the National Hockey League with that uh, outing on Monday night at T-Mobile. A lot to get to today, but uh, there's a, an interesting stat that's uh, that's floating around right now, and it uh, has to do with the top performers from the blue line in the National Hockey League, and there's, there's a bit of a different group than the last couple of years when it comes to defenseman scoring. I don't know whether you guys have looked at this in the last uh, couple of days or last couple of weeks because I, I, I find that uh, that I'll go maybe a week and then I'll go back and, and really get entrenched into the top scores. And you find that uh, that below Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, Mitch Marner in the in the top five of, uh, of NHL points, you've got uh, Mikko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon making great strides. Uh, Mark Scheifele's having an outstanding season. Brad Marchand is top ten again. Sidney Crosby, uh, just a a cap tip to Sidney Crosby, who's top 10 in National Hockey League points again right now. Mark Stone is the top Golden Knight at 12. But on the blue line, Ryan Wallace, mm-hmm. do you know who the top point producer is among defensemen in the National Hockey League right now? I, I'd be... I want to say the last time I, I was aware of it, it was Tyson Berry. All right. Adam Fox of the New York Rangers, <laughs> leads all defensemen with 40 points. And he has had a brilliant season. Oddly enough, what I remember him for this year is a couple of spectacular defensive plays and and sliding around, stopping pucks when the Rangers had their goalie pulled and there was an empty net. Uh, I don't, uh, like, it doesn't automatically click in where I go, oh, oh, he's leading the league in points. But he's a, he's a fabulous offensive defenseman. Victor Hedman is next, a point uh, out. Then you've got some familiar names in John Carlson, Chris Letang. I didn't mean to say that Victor Hedman wasn't a familiar name, but uh, Fox, Hedman, Carlson, Letang, and then... Tyson Berry, 
who is five points off the pace. Some of that has to do with uh, the Oilers haven't played as many games as of late. If I remove Victor Hedman from all consideration, Chapman and Wallace, who's the first defenseman that you would select to uh, to take if if you were in like uh, not a fantasy draft, but if you were picking the uh, defenseman to to start off a franchise with, and it could be uh, I, I want to keep it to, to modern times. I'm not saying you take a 19 year old because he's going to be with your team for the next little bit, but for one year. Which defenseman would you take with that first pick if Hedman's not available? For me, it's uh, it's Kale McCarr. I I, I yeah. love Kale McCarr. I, I and that's not to say that I've I've come off Quinn Hughes. It's just it, it, it when when you look at defensemen that are are just poised to be very very good and poised to have great careers. And I know that that's not within the parameters, but uh, a, a defenseman that's just been so so good. This season, for me, Kale McCarr, I, I love everything that he brings to the table. I like the way that he plays the game and, and thinks about that position. Kale McCarr is my guy. I think there's about 15, 20 names that you could possibly take if you open this up to a, to a room uh, and just uh, and, and went around. If there was 30 people in the room, you might get 15 different names. Uh, on this list, the way that uh, we're we're changing the guard right now when it comes to defensemen and and Norris Trophy consideration, uh, Chapman, who would you take? I mean, it, it, it's funny, right? Because as you mentioned, there, there's a bunch of names. I mean, I I he's not having the year this year, but Roman Yossi, he he's kind of. I mean, he did win the Norris last year, right? And and he's still really really good, but he's he's not having the season. It's funny. Initially, my my brain went to Kale McCarr as well for a lot of the same reasons Ryan brought up. Another, Is that because he's just so dynamic? So well, that's a great skater. Yeah, I mean, it's you yeah. watch him, and it's it's just like watching a figure skater sometimes because he's just so good the way he's able to get up and down the ice. Another guy I like, and I know Ryan's not a big fan, but I like John Carlson as well. It's never a good thing when you. Sup- when you throw out a name and instead of supporting the person, you, you point out the fact that well, somebody else doesn't I, like, I, I, like I, that. I, that's a, that's <laughs> arguing from a position of weakness right there. I, I, I like that Carlson is a guy who's going to get a lot of points, right? Like uh-huh. like maybe defensively people say, eh, he, he's not quite as good as a top-tier defenseman in the league. But the ultimate, the ultimate goal is to win games by scoring goals. And John Carlson, he helps his team score goals. I mean, he's helped his team win a Stanley Cup. Kale McCarr can't say that. Roman Yossi can't say that. Wallace. Victor Hedman can say that. If if yep. Because uh, Chapman went off the board and gave two names, but I was, <laughs> I was going to do it anyway because I figured somebody would take McCarr. Who's your next pick? Sure. Um, that's That's... That's unfortunate because I the way that Aaron Eckblad was playing this year, I think that he's. he's That's okay. You can still take Aaron Eckblad. Yeah, I I just I'm not penalizing anybody because of an injury or or the sort. Yeah, yeah. The way that he was playing earlier on, like he he was very very good. The other name that kind of I'm gravitating toward is is Jeff Petrie. I I just I think that he's one of those guys that I, I I don't think gets enough credit. He's good defensively, chips in offensively. And, you know, I, I think he's one of those defensemen that can really control a game. So Jeff Petrie and, and Aaron Eckblad would kind of fit that mold for me. One of the greatest acquisitions ever, Jeff Petrie. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you on that. Uh, they got him for yeah. a song from, from the Edmonton Oilers. 
and he's turned into being Montreal's best defenseman, has been for a couple of years. Uh, doesn't get the sizzle, uh, have the sizzle like a, like a Shea Weber because of uh, being so, Shea's so physical and has the big shot. Shea's the captain. But uh, I, I think that, that Jeff Petrie's been their best defenseman for a couple of years. Uh, not, not to suck up, but Alex Petrangelo is, is a guy for me. I'm torn between Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo. Where I wasn't going to go was Tyson Berry, who's fifth in NHL points right now among defensemen. Where I wasn't going to go is uh, Samuel Girard, who is eighth right now. Where I wasn't going to go was Dougie Hamilton, who's uh, playing for a new contract uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, wasn't going to go with a, with a lot of those names. Instead, right. uh I like like what you guys were thinking with uh, with Kale McCarr, with John Carlson, um, with Aaron Ekblad. Uh, a name though, like Neil Pionk, was a throw-in. Not that's mm-hmm. not not fair. Let me take that back. Rewind it. Uh, Neil Pionk <laughs> was a guy that was part of the big trade between the Winnipeg Jets and the New York Rangers in the uh, Jeff Truba uh, uh, trade. Mm-hmm. That like, he's he's top eleven when it comes to uh, to points. Sorry, fourteenth in 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 points. But we, we nobody mentioned Brent Burns. Nobody mentioned uh, uh, Carlson. Nobody mm-hmm. nobody brought up Chris Letang. Uh, who else is uh, is in this in this list? Um, you guys, Yossi was mentioned. I'm not I'm not a Yossi guy. Uh, I, where's, I give you uh, where's where's Dowdy? Dowdy is 12th in points, and nobody brought him, and I think he's had a beautiful season. I think he's been fantastic. I, I just think that, uh, you know, as, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, Drew Dowdy came to mind, but he came to mind well after the, the three players I mentioned already. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's unfair uh, because I just I popped it on you, but part of the, uh, the exercise is, is, is sort of springing it on you guys and, and having to go off yeah. the cuff and, and who's, who's in your universe? Uh, who do you think about uh, uh, along these, these, these lines? Um, Theodore and Petrangelo, that, that would be, if you had to pick one between the two of them, that would be a very difficult choice because I've seen glimpses of Shea this year yeah. that is just so effortless in what he's been able to do. He went through a bit of a funk right around that, that San Jose, Minnesota, St. Louis set, uh, leading up uh, and, and through that uh, area. And once, and it was in St. Louis where his game seemed to click. And I don't know whether he's on all cylinders yet, but mm-hmm. we've seen glimpses of it. And every time I see these glimpses, I think there it is. And, and, Norris Trophy caliber. He hasn't had that season. Part of it was the injury. Uh, uh, but, uh, like, I still, if he can get back to that bubble, Shea Theodore and Petrangelo continues to be the comfort factor, I don't know who I'd take between those two. Do you have a preference? Um, it's, it's yeah, that's a difficult one because I, I think that we, we haven't seen – the best of Alex Petrangelo yet with the Golden Knights. And I I think that there's still another level that he can bring his game to. I mean, we know how dominant he was with the St. Louis Blues. We know what he was able to do in that playoff run with St. Louis on the way to a Stanley Cup. So I I still think there's more from from Alex Petrangelo. And, And as you mentioned with Shea Theodore, 
it it's been a a a solid season for a guy that we expected to have a really really good season but there have been some some road bumps some speed wobbles as you would call it uh throughout this year so i i think right now just in terms of of which player i I would lean toward i think it's probably shea theodore but i think that's because i've seen him more within the golden knights organization i I know that when shea theodore is at the top of his game he's just kind of collecting points and and really managing the game well and with alex petrangelo i know it's there i just haven't seen it with as much regularity as i've seen it from shea theodore do you remember the the games right before he got COVID, and then the games right before he got hurt like he was he was knocking on the door, right? Would you agree yes. with that? Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. I think I think the last two games against LA, he's been as good or better than he was in those games where we look back and went, geez, he was he was just just about to 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 take over. The, the what I saw in those two games against Los Angeles, keep in mind it was Los Angeles and their mm-hmm. level of disinterest was palpable. Uh yes. I I do I'm excited to see what we what we witness out of Alex Petrangelo this weekend. Yeah, I I agree with you, and and that's the thing. Like I I know it's there, and I know that I've seen it in, in flashes and glimpses throughout this season. And if if Petrangelo's there, and that's something that he can maintain throughout the remainder of this season and into a long playoff run, then I think the answer changes for me a little bit. But uh, just based on on what I've seen, and and you know, it's it's been unfortunate for Alex Petrangelo because when he got there, it was it was COVID. When he got there again, it was an injury, and he just hasn't been able to to build that momentum throughout this season. I think you're I think you're absolutely right. This next week for Petrangelo, based on what we saw from him against LA, has the real makings of him establishing his game, taking over games for the Golden Knights, and that's the best possible time that he could do it. Yeah, do yeah. me a favor. Do me a favor. Ooh, guys, watch him tonight. And, and and when he's on the ice, sort of do your own little uh, ISO cam of, of where he is, uh, in the, especially in the offensive zone, but, uh, but how he controls the game. And I'm curious just to get your take, your feedback uh, on, on where Alex Petrangelo is uh, in the course of uh, of his individual game, do you kind of think that goofy goal the other night really is the that maybe no. the, the the spark that jump starts him now? No, no, I think it was it was it was coming before that. I was, uh, I, I think that was just a goofy goal uh, and just a byproduct <laughs> of of being in the right spot. I don't uh, I don't mean to to crap all over that, but uh, I am. Uh, I, I just think it's he he he's been really really good uh, about uh, his his game. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I think he's, he's due for one of those, like that was, that was lucky. Uh, and, and you're like, in some cases you can break through, uh, with, with a big break. Um, but in this case with him, uh, Chapman, I, I think that was just purely coincidence. I'm watching, I can tell you this boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, uh, radio mm-hmm. listeners, I'm watching right now a live feed of the Honda Center where there's going to be people in attendance. 10% uh, of uh, the crowd uh, will be in attendance tonight, which is about 2,000 people. But I'm watching this feed of the ice surface and the rink crew, uh, you know, that goes out and uh, the night guard that goes out and, mm-hmm. and does all the shoveling uh, during, the, the, during the commercial breaks at T-Mobile Arena. Well, the Anaheim yeah. Ducks version of the night guard has been on the ice. They've probably been on the ice for 25 minutes. 
and it took me this long to figure out who they were. It was like a public skate on the ice at the Honda Center where people were just twirling around. <laughs> then they started doing drills where they skated dot to dot uh, all through the ice. And, and I'm sitting here the whole time wondering what is going on. It's, it's very rare that an ice surface in the National Hockey League is available for use before, before a, a National Hockey League game. Every now and then there's special events. Uh, even at T-Mobile, uh, that's happened. But I'm, I'm thankful because they've just returned after all doing their drills and mm-hmm. leaving the ice, they've returned with their shovels, and I know who the heck has been on the ice uh, uh, using it. Uh, Robin Leonard's going to be on the ice. Have you guys ever skated at T-Mobile, by the way? I have not. No? I want to. I have not done it yet. No. Yeah, we got to get you guys out there. Twirl around. I've been on the Zamboni at T-Mobile, but I have not skated. There's a Zamboni here today that goes 200 miles an hour. Discovery Show is doing a, a special project on it. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> 200 miles an hour. Fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, uh, I was working, but everybody came back in and said, what the heck? It's, it's not like it doesn't actually do the ice resurfacing, but it's of, of that ilk. Can you imagine going 200 miles an hour and then have to turn in the corner? Kind of like Chandler Stevenson <laughs> yeah, no, going, I, going I down the ice. Uh, you don't want to uh, blow a tire there, no, huh? I, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even attempt that. Come on. Oh, the yeah. ice crew in Anaheim is now practicing their configuration. So they're doing a full-on practice here of the I, shoveling uh, during commercial break. I've never watched I, this before. There's, huh. I mean, you might as well get it really tight, right? Like, get, get it really. Well, there's nothing worse, and I have watched uh, in certain <laughs> rinks where where somebody does isn't aligned properly. And there's yeah. a big strip of snow right down the ice. It's uh, and that that's the kind of thing with my OCD bothers me. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it would drive me crazy. Efficiency is important. I mean, it there's is. only so much time that they have to to scrape the ice. So I I I think this is fantastic. Like it shows that they are working hard on their craft before the game. I can't believe somebody else has got a shovel uh, outside of this show uh, on this. Uh, Robin Leonard will uh, be back in goal tonight <laughs> for the Vegas Golden Knights, trying to win his 10th game of the season. Let's bring in Pete DeBoer and uh, get the coach's comments about what Panda has been able to do. Well, I, I, I think Robin, Robin's been effective since he got here. I, I, think he's won, I think he's lost one regular season game uh, you know, since we acquired him. Uh, so he, he just wins, he, he, he wins games. And, um, you know, I think he had, he had shoulder surgery in the off season and, and had a little bit of a slower start, despite the fact, you know, he still found a way to, to win some games. Um, you know, I, I think his play is at a different level now, uh, than it was early in the season. And, um, you know, he, he's starting to, They'll look uh, really, really sharp both in practice and in games. What do you see as the big difference between Robin Leonard at the start of the year when he was battling, he was getting results, but he was nowhere near bubble Robin uh, as as we uh, witnessed uh, last summer. Where's your assessment on that, given the given y- your point of view? I just I think that he's he's really just allowed the game to kind of come to him. We we've talked about Robin Leonard just in terms of of developing and reading plays and and not getting overly excited or with within his crease and you know for me he just looks so much in control of his movements right now and there were often times early on in the season where he just didn't 
to my eyes, look comfortable in his blue paint, in his net. So for me, when when Robin Leonard is just making everything look pretty easy, he's arriving on time, he's there before the shots, everything's sticking to him, that's when I think he's at the, at the top of his game, and that's what I've been seeing from Leonard uh, since returning from his injury. What's the signature save for Robin Leonard by Robin Leonard this year? Uh, signature save? Um, I don't think there is you know, one. There isn't one. It's, no. it's, it's, it's pucks hit him. Yeah, it's right? it's like, so different, right? Like Mark Andre Fleury, it's the windmill or it's the poke check for poke Robin check. Leonard. It's just the puck hits me because I'm there. The closest thing I can think of is when he did the panda roll, like uh, uh, did the the, <laughs> the, 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 the the backwards roll, uh, flipped his uh, legs over over the top of him. That that's about as close as it gets. But uh, I hey, asked that question when he wants to. as as a, as a point because you you there there are. It, that might be the biggest uh, difference or best way to describe the difference between the two goaltenders that the Vegas Golden Knights have. Yeah, I think that's right on the money. With with Robin Leonard, when when the puck's hitting him, when he's getting into a situation where you know he doesn't have to do too much or move too much, that's when he's really at the top of his game. And with Marc Andre Fleury, we we just we know how good he is and and how acrobatic he can be in terms of his saves. I uh, mentioned uh, Truba earlier, Jacob Truba. Uh, I think I said Jeff Truba. It's been bugging me for about five minutes uh, so to be able to get that in. Uh, Keegan Colasar. <laughs> I, I don't know. what the, Those things just drive me crazy. Uh, Keegan Colasar, not on the trip. Ryan Raves, not on the trip. Patrick Brown, not on the trip. Uh, good chance uh, we're going to see the same lineup in consecutive games for the first time in a while. Yeah, I... I... I would imagine that's the case, and you know what? I'm I'm excited to see the Golden Knights and and rolling out this lineup again. I'm excited to see the the continued um, experiment right now with Yanmark and Noshik and Tuck, and how those three their game can kind of complement one another in the way that we saw it it happen on on Wednesday. And I'm curious to see the fourth line for the Golden Knights. Tomas Yerko, I think, has been effective in the two games that he's been called up and that he's played for Vegas. I think with with Nick Waugh centering that line, it, it seems to me like he's comfortable down the middle and he's comfortable in terms of being a guy that, that is supposed to drive with that line. So I, I, I'm curious to see the Golden Knights bottom six tonight and what they're able to do. The, the third line was so good the other night that it certainly took attention away from uh, Wal Yurko and Carrier. Uh, Carrier's been awesome uh, for the last uh, six, seven weeks. And I wonder, if, if we trace back Wa's resurgence, does it come to, uh, does it sort of circle around that night where he left the puck on the, on the delayed offside, which wasn't mm-hmm. delayed? And it threw mm-hmm. everybody off, and he was able to. Uh, <laughs> it was Nosek that jumped in, or uh, I can't remember who jumped in and and, and shot Nosek. the puck. Yeah, uh, jumped yeah. in and and scored the goal. But it's kind of like one of those those moments where uh, that little bit uh, instigated some some real confidence. Yeah, I, I think so. It would have been it would have been a better story if uh, if Nick Wah said he he did it on purpose. But uh, yeah, I I think that his game has been coming for a while. And you know what? You get a couple of goals in in four or five games, and all of a sudden you start to feel good about yourself offensively. And you know, more to the point, I, I think that when you can allow Nick Wah to play down the middle and you give him uh, the green light to not really defer. 
I think he's a really good hockey player. He just has to get, has to continue to work on that confidence and and right now he's playing with it and right now he's 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 taking some ownership over that fourth line. I think maybe for for him it, it may have gone back a little further than that because there was the game where he scored the goal and it was called back, but it seemed like he he had been playing well and then that happened and since that moment it seems like he's elevated his game even more. I mean, a good Nick Waugh is only good news for the Golden Knights, but I mean, he, like Ryan said, it seemed like it had been coming for a while, and now it's finally breaking through, and, and, and you can see the confidence that he's playing with now. Chapman, did you ever take a bow on Janmark wearing number 26? I did not, but I will right now. <laughs> My back hurts. Does? No. No, believe me, I could do it all day. <laughs> <laughs> well don't don't throw your shoulder giving yourself a pat in the back I'll pat I was, myself I was, on the back yes i was willing to give you props uh, i wanted to open that door because you and were the he, one did you hear that... why he said he was doing it i don't think i have the cut anymore oh no you know what let me look i might i might have it still <laughs> if if it's if it's a chance to gloat you have it come on yeah guarantee. i don't know i may have oh wait yeah i do have it i'll, I'll put it in yeah mm-hmm. all right so so we'll, we'll play it why yam mark is wearing number 26 all right no, for sure not. Uh, I mean, he's wearing it, and it's no big deal for me. So I've been wearing uh, 26 back in the days in Sweden. So uh, that was one of the numbers that was uh, available. So it's uh, it was great. Uh, so uh, it's not a big big deal for me. I'm looking forward to to a new chapter here with 26 in the Golden Knights. Well, I wanted you to explain why 26, not that he wore it before in Sweden. Well. So he was asked if he was going to wear number 13 or if he had approached Tomas Yurko to, to, yeah. to wear number 13. And he said, no, I'm going to wear 26 because that's the number that I wore in Sweden. Well, Dr. Dr. Uh, I don't know, Sherlock Holmes over here saw that he wore number 26 when he played for Ake <laughs> in Stockholm and said, I bet you he wears 26. So, uh, yeah, I'll pat myself on the back for that one. Are you a doctor or are you a P.I.? I'm both. Dr. P.I. Sherlock Holmes. James Bond. You got a lot of titles. Yes. I think you crossed your references there. Yeah, I think I think so. Better think about that uh, in the chapstang when you're at a red light on the, on the way home. Yes. Uh, one-timers coming up as we take a break on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Go to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. News out of Vancouver that is not COVID-related. Uh, should update you, too. The Vancouver Canucks will return to the ice on Sunday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they were supposed to play tonight against Edmonton. That game has been rescheduled. And then tomorrow against uh, Toronto. But uh, they won't, they'll won't. they get that extra day. So they'll play Saturday, or sorry, Sunday and Monday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, the latest news from uh, Vancouver that's not COVID-related is Elias Patterson uh, is not ready to return. He hasn't played since March 2nd, and the Canucks were hopeful that he would be able to uh, skate uh, in a uniform this weekend and be back into a National Hockey League uh, game. But uh, that's not the case. And Jim Benning is now saying, the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, uh, that after a visit to the specialist uh, this week, he's going to, Pedersen's going to be out uh, a bit longer yet. And it's potential, there's the potential that he could miss the rest of the season. They're not saying what that injury is, but uh, but Pedersen could miss the uh, rest of the campaign. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough, right? Um, you know, if you're Vancouver, you're going into this season, you're expecting uh, big, big things out of 
Elias Patterson, and uh, you know, obviously there's an injury there. So the 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 read on it for me is if if you need to shut him down, shut him down because you want him ready to go healthy for next season. Because if we take a, a realistic view of where the Vancouver Canucks are right now in the standings, what their schedule is going to look like when they come back, I think the playoffs is an absolute long shot. So allow him to rest, allow him to recover, and allow him to be ready to go next season. I need to know what the injury is before I shut him down. <laughs> well, Steven, I mean, they know what it is. Steven, I know, I know, but I need to know before I say shut him down or not. Because uh, I'd like to see him play. I'd like to see him uh, get going a little bit. I think his confidence sure. is rattled after what happened this year. Uh, Steven Stamkos, talking about injuries, placed on LTIR, long-term injured reserve, by the Tampa Bay Lightning with a lower body injury. And it's retroactive to April 9th, uh, so uh, earlier this week. There's some talk that he may not play again in the regular season. But Lightning head coach John Cooper said, hold your horses. That does not mean anything. Uh, It's just something that he has to go through here for a little bit. Uh, Because uh, people immediately jump to Ryan Wallace. Uh, People immediately jump to Steven Stamkos is out. They're going to activate Nikita Kucherov and get him some games in uh, prior to the end of the regular season. Which... Kind of would be smart if they could That'd be do the right it. strategy. Yeah, yes. it's 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 brilliant, Ryan Wallace. But uh-huh. right now, John Cooper saying not just yet. Uh, at this point, they're playing without both Stamkos and Kucherov, and they won last night in overtime in that big game against the Florida Panthers, biggest game ever between the Florida Panthers <laughs> and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm saying it right now. Somebody yeah. comes up with a bigger game between those two franchises during the regular season show it to me and i'll have a look at it but at this point right now i'm saying last night for first place that was the biggest game ever uh right now carolina and tampa bay are tied for top spot in the central division with the florida panthers one point back uh linus allmark could be out for the rest of the season for the buffalo sabers that's troublesome because he's uh he's about the only guy that can win a game uh, Dustin Dakarski uh, took over the other night and, and won in a, uh, a shootout. Uh, but uh, Dustin Dakarski uh, is sort of like a career minor leaguer. He's had some, some looks, but he won his first game in like four years uh, the other day. Uh, but uh, right now, Linus Allmark, they're talking lower body injury, could be out. He got, got them some confidence uh, in the right direction when he came back after that horrendous losing streak. Uh, that's tough. I thought he might be on the move. Uh-huh. Uh, they're still trying to work out a contract with him, uh, unrestricted yeah. free agent. Uh, yeah. I don't know whether this uh, this injury hurts that or not because he has battled that, that injury bug over the course of his career. Yeah, this is a tough one for the Buffalo Sabres in a season of tough ones, right? Like it, it has been um, every time it, it kind of feels like the Buffalo Sabres have something to feel good about, to be excited about, to be happy about. Uh, it doesn't really pan out the way you, you'd hope it would. And uh, for Linus Olmark, get better and return to action for the Buffalo Sabres. Signing to tell you about from the Winnipeg Jets, Adam Lowry inked a five-year extension, $16.25 million. It's a uh, AAV of $3.25 million. 28-year-old, 20 points. Uh, I think it's great value in this contract. He's a third-line guy. 
can can sometimes play up in your lineup, but he's a third line guy. Uh, uh, has some strength, some real physical presence to him, uh, and his dad is an assistant coach for the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, a, a big thing. He joined the team this year uh, for this truncated season. And Adam Lowry, uh, who's been uh, part of the organization from the start, a uh, third-round pick in 2011, has, uh, has that nice little five-year contract. Uh, he knows his role. He can score some goals if he wants, can also really mix it up, and uh, a really important player for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think that is a significant signing for Kevin Sheffield Dayoff and company. Yeah, big, strong player who, uh, as you mentioned, can chip in offensively, can play the game. Uh, big hits. He's not afraid to drop the gloves. With, with Adam Lowry, you know exactly what you're going to get, and it's cost-controlled for the next five years. I like the signing. I like the move, and and I like uh, I like the player a lot. A uh, big, big, uh, big proponent of the way Adam Lowry plays the game. Uh, huge. Uh, uh, once again, it's expected that Patrick Marlowe will break Gordie Howe's record for most games played in National Hockey League history Monday night on the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, mm-hmm. Where, what would be a um, a location that he would have thought of uh, before? breaking the record on the Las Vegas Strip. Like, how far down would breaking Gordie Howe's record in Las Vegas be when, when he started that streak, considering Vegas didn't even have a team? Yeah, I'd say, like, non-existent. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how it works out? <laughs> kind of. Is there We're... a better place to break that record, though? Like, honestly? No. I think it's awesome. It's good, yeah. good for him, and he's expecting that, uh, that the family's going to be attendance, and we'll have a lot more on that uh, coming up from T-Mobile Arena as we broadcast live with uh, the VGK Insider Show on Monday. Between now and then, there is a couple of games for the Vegas Golden Knights as they play two in Anaheim uh, tonight, uh, and it's the VGK pregame show coming up on the VGK Radio Network with Ryan Wallace at the top of the clock, and then on Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. Uh, when you examine what the first line did the other night, what the third line did the other night, we've talked about the fourth. Uh, the most shots in the game were generated by the second line, and they didn't get anything out of it. Is Are we approaching the, the best stretch of consistency, line to line, that we've witnessed all year out of the Golden Knights? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of continues tonight for the Golden Knights. But... I think you're getting a, a real glimpse as, uh, of for Vegas of what they what they are when each line plays to its potential. When each line is able to go out there and create mismatches, uh, the Golden Knights are able to roll four lines more so than than if they have to rely on two two or at, at times three to get all their scoring. I, I like the balance that Vegas has right now. Did you guys happen to see the game-winning goal by Gage Quinney of the Henderson Silver Knights last night against Tucson? It was pretty wild. Okay, was that a bigger fluke than Max Pacioretty's backhand flipper that bounced around Jonathan Quick? Because Quinney scored last night by (laughs) taking a shot that hit the defender's stick and went up and over the goaltender and then just fell in before the crossbar and ending up on top of that, but uh, fell in just before the crossbar and bounced in. It was a weird one for you that I had to watch three times. I think the Petrangelo goal is a better comparison to the, the, the Quinny goal, but the angle, like the trajectory that it had to take um, to get into the net was, was something else. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, all three of those goals probably shouldn't have, have been scored, but <laughs> that's hockey, right? 
I felt bad for the Tucson goaltender because he was trying to jump and he just couldn't get off like in the air. It was like, it, it, it was like his power booster, his superpowers just went went dry, and it's like, oh darn it! And he he played just, a really good game too. So did. so to lose like that, you've got to be like, oh really, really. Uh, update for you: Taylor Hall scored again. That's two goals for Boston, two goals for Buffalo, but a lot different uh, number of games played. Taylor Hall getting it done for the Boston Bruins. Does that make Boston Bruin fans or Buffalo Sabre fans really irate or do they care anymore? They're just happy that it's over. I I think they're just ready for next season. Yeah. Maybe oh, the season after that. Well, <laughs> depends on what happens in the off season, Chris, yeah. right? Good, no, good, no, good. no. It they're they're waiting for 2023. Why? Uh, no. No. They're they're <laughs> They're waiting to see who is or isn't going to be on their team for next season. You Can mean you tell could, me why it, they're it, waiting for 2023? Because I can't imagine it's going to get much better next year. Oh, okay. Ah, yeah, well, they're, they're, in a better, they're in a better position than Arizona. So. They're, I think they're well-positioned for comeback <laughs> team of the year. Well, there's let's, only one place to go, but up. Let's put it that way. Uh, between between the Detroit oh. Red Wings and the Buffalo Sabres, comeback team of the year. It's a, it's a two-team race. Uh, those are your one-timers for this Friday, April on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Well, that was false because we're going to give something away right now. It's time to give away a VGK jersey thanks to Finley Volvo, where Swedish elegance and world-renowned safety await at FinleyVolvo.com. Thanks for dumping the music, Chapman. Yeah. Caller number seven, you will win a Golden Knights jersey, and you'll qualify to win tickets to see Vegas versus San Jose on Monday, April 19th at T-Mobile Arena. 702-876-1340. Caller number seven, Woo. you are a winner. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Vegas continuing their four-game road trip, stopping over in Anaheim in Orange County after a sweep of the Los Angeles Kings, trying to get within two of Colorado. If you haven't heard, the Avalanche have been put on Hold, pause, because of uh, three players being put into COVID protocol. They won't play again until next Thursday. So uh, games uh, in hand will turn into, from Vegas standpoint, will turn into games in hand for uh, Colorado in a very short order. Let's uh, go over to Chris Chapman and catching up with Chapman. Hey, Ryan, are all of your goats accounted for? Yep. All right. I ask you that because a tourist at Death Valley National Park, mm. of course not too far from here, Notice something strange in the park. Near Stovepipe Wells, a visitor saw another visitor in the park that shouldn't be there. It was a goat. Now, the goats are not native to Death Valley. In fact, they can be quite serious of a problem for some natives to Death Valley. Those would be bighorn sheep. Uh, they carry a respiratory disease that is fatal to bighorn sheep. In fact, in 2013, a feral goat was released in the Mojave Preserve that may have triggered many bighorn sheep to die off. So uh, they are currently searching for this goat that was near Stovepipe Wells, and uh, someone put it there, and it doesn't belong there, and hopefully they find it soon because it uh, it could be a problem to some of the uh, other creatures that roam Death Valley National Park. What do you mean somebody put it there? Well, it didn't get there on its own. How do you know? 
Yeah, because it's not native. Sure. It's not native. Maybe like well, it could have I mean, wandered escaped. off. Well, like it could have been a domesticated goat and it escaped. Well, it nonetheless, it it, it, it doesn't. Be- someone put it there, or he put himself there, but he doesn't belong there. Well, it, it just it arrived, but you don't know exactly yeah, how. It somebody got didn't there. go. Hey, stay. Well, no, stay. Maybe I don't know. People, no, they listen, don't. people, they don't people, listen. people put some weird stuff out in the wild. I mean, if you read any of those stories about Florida and what people release there. Oh, I thought you were going to finish oh, your was thought. There, was oh, there, was oh, there more well, than that? Well, yeah. well the, the, the uh, Burmese <laughs> python population in the Everglades is out of control because they're not native and they have no natural predator. And someone released a couple into the wild, and now it's it's game over uh, for a lot of the animals in the Everglades. Well, it's game on like for the, f- the Vegas Golden Knights against the Anaheim Ducks tonight, Ryan Wallace. Looking forward to this This is one. like the fish that walks. Yes, right? exactly. It does. It does walk. Looks like a fish. Walks like a fish. Must be a fish. Uh, for Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening to the VGK Insider Show. Up next, it's the Vegas School Nights pregame show.